Today on the Zabecast, if you think joining a free mock draft is a good way to get ready for your fantasy league, well, think again. We got charts to come by to tell you why you need skin in the game. We talk daylight savings time, Kirk Cousins, board games, and more. All that plus a viral football coach video that took me seven years to find out about. You got 45 minutes burning a hole in your pile of data, then buckle up and let's go! Thursday, August 9th, 2018. Thank you for the download. And enjoy tonight's first blurp of preseason football. Don't call it exhibitions. The league doesn't like that. Pre-season football. Before we get to Charch, and I had a good long run with him today, and I think you'll enjoy it, I wanted to follow up with this. We talked about HOAs and lawn mowing and field mowing and what's a meadow and what's a lawn, and I gave you that story from right here in my backyard in Loudoun County, Virginia. You know, HOAs, mowing, assholes, the whole likes, right? Well, I got a, I got an even better one for you. I c- cannot believe that. I uh, cannot believe that this is the case. But thankfully, it looks like it's being resolved. I don't think I told you about this story yet. If I did, I apologize. Apparently, there's a golf course in our area where one of the assholes who lives on one of the holes just off one of the holes, you know, nice home with a golf course view. Every golfer's dream, right, you would think? Apparently one asshole at this course started complaining to the cops about how early they were mowing the greens and doing maintenance on this particular hole and how it was disturbing his precious sleep. So he filed a complaint and apparently looked up the ordinance and apparently... The ordinance in the county that power equipment cannot be used before like 7 a.m. did not have a specific exemption in there for golf courses. Oh, sure, there was exemptions in there for garbage trucks and other delivery trucks. You know, the kind of stuff that makes life move on schedule. Some people are up at O-Dark 30 working their asses off. And then there's guys like this asshole who lives on a golf course, bought a horse. Bought a house on a golf course like five years ago, and he's like, these mowers are too damn early. Called the cops, pressed his case, completely shut down the normal opening hours of this particular golf course for a good chunk, for like a month and a half here in the summer. They had to get a special town ordinance to you know call, like a special meeting to go, hey, we got to get this shit repealed. And there were several other golf courses keenly aware of this because apparently countywide there was also no exceptions written into law about different, you know, about golf courses and the maintenance that occurs early in the morning during the summertime daylight hours. So they were all like, shit, if some asshole on our course decides to do this, we could be in trouble. It just makes you want to, it makes you want to slap somebody. It makes you want to say, listen, you bought a, a house on a golf course. What do you expect exactly in the summer? And Can you not buy a noise machine? Can you not get acoustic curtains? If it's really that bad, maybe you should sell. If you're that sensitive, maybe you should go find a house somewhere where you cannot hear anything or anybody. Of course, it reminds me of when I think think Al Galdi complained about this once. He said the birds were chirping too loudly outside the window of his new beautiful house that he bought with his beautiful new bride. And I was like, my God, really? He was like, yeah. Of course, Galdi gets up early anyway most of the time. Maybe it wasn't Galdi. It was somebody, though. Somebody I know was bitching about the birds being way too loud outside their window. These are called 1% first world problems, to say the very least. All right, it's time to head to the great white north for an extended run with our boy, Paul Charchian. This is where the DJ talks. Don't say anything. Okay. Oh, beauty, go. Okay. Good day and welcome to our single. I'm Bob McKenzie, and this is my brother, Doug. How's it going, eh? 
fucked up. Down fucking down around, down. and let's get down to some podcast. Okay. Who's ready to do some podcasting right now? <laughs> All right, Charlie. And by the way, yes. I, I, I just I just scrolled through our. I was looking through our uh, our text. Uh, Chat history. Send you a picture of this thing. You said 7 p.m. Eastern. So of course you were right. Oh, okay. Uh, That's all right. Yeah, I was. Yeah, here's what I assumed. I assumed you just said seven o'clock, um, or you said eight o'clock, and I had to do the conversion to my side. Nobody. Here's what I'm getting at: the Eastern time zone people have got the superiority complex with their time zone, and the Eastern time zone people always feel like they can just say a time, <laughs> and it's automatically assumed and understood. No. Don't start put don't start putting this bullshit East Coast bias on me. You know that's bullshit. Oh, yeah. Come on now. Uh, no, why don't we, here's, here's a better question. Why don't we go to a universal American time? So uh, we're not Why not? Right. So right now yeah. right now it's seven o'clock everywhere. Everywhere. Well, well that's weird because then in California I'd be eating dinner at four o'clock, and that's not right. Four, so? seven, it doesn't fucking matter. It'll just be a number. Right, right. And then everybody will know when we say we're talking at seven, it's all the same I time know. to all of us. The whole I, concept is absurd. These are great mysteries, Charge, that I guess we'll I, You never... know what I like? What's that? Indiana and Arizona are conscientious objector states. Well, that's for daylight the... savings. And that's daylight a whole... Daylight savings terrorism. Oh, that's a whole... We don't, we don't have time for that argument because it's a whole different argument where some people swear by daylight savings. Other people say it is a complete waste of time. It's but, a total sham. I know, totally but I'm not... Well, okay. All right. Okay. Now we're into it. Now we're into it. Let me tell you why daylight savings has merit. You ready? I have an hour of daylight in my precious hands right here, Church. You can eat this hour of daylight either at 5 in the morning or you may eat this hour of daylight at 6 p.m. When would you like to eat your hour of daylight? If that's literally my alternative, I answer the question. PM. I don't want to be awake at. I don't want to be awake at five thirty, at five. Right, right. An hour but of day. An I, hour I of also, daylight. You know, an hour of daylight at six in the evening is far more precious to most people and to most businesses huh? that want you to eat al fresco outside on a patio or to get another nine holes of golf in or to be able to play a softball game on a field without lights until a certain time. Ain't nobody got time or ain't nobody got used for an hour of daylight at 5 or 6 in the morning. Fuck that. Thus, we See, shift. There. I'll, I, I'll hang up and listen off air. Here's, I think, your perspective. You, you do not have a Minnesota perspective on this. In the Minnesota perspective, it's dark. You know, we got like 45 minutes of sunlight. You know, we, you know, we being farther north in whatever longitude, latitude, azimuth, whatever it is. And you know we're not golfing when this thing kicks in. We're shoveling when this thing kicks. True, in. True, but your summer and your summers are longer because you're further north. That is true. I could you know at at, at you know tonight at nine thirty and go outside and read. So yeah, yeah I mean it, it's it is different. That part is that part is nice for right now. Wait, what? Why would you go outside to read? That's so weird. First of all, why are you reading? TLDR too long. <laughs> too long. Didn't read. All right, Charge. You you know, I don't know what that stands for. I'm a I Reddit know. aficionado. Oh, I know. Hey, by the way, this Abecast has a subreddit. Did you know that? I did. In fact, somebody at one point ranked me on your subreddit oh, that's as right. the number yes, one guest. Was. And then summarily moved Jay ahead of me. So now I that's feel right. like there's a feud going I got on. Up my game. The subreddit is apparently up to 150 members, which apparently is not terrible. Ooh. And so I'd like to keep building on that. Go to Reddit and look for Zabecast. I, I, how else to find it? I don't know. I lose it a lot of times because I so don't know what Reddit is. But here's what, okay. How, how how savvy are you on Reddit? Very. Okay, you'll ha- you have to help me out on this one. So I go to start interacting with my peeps, my minions, my little people yeah. on Reddit, and I start to go post things, and I get this warning from Reddit that says, "Whoa, whoa, slow down." You can post more later. And then I had to Google search that. And it says, until you build up a certain amount of karma points, you have restricted posting privileges on Reddit. What in the blue blazes is this? 
That's called good practices is what that is. And, <laughs> okay. and here's, here's why. Okay. You know, what happens, what happens is some, some moron, some dork, some, some guy with way too much time on his hands creates, you know, a hundred accounts and then posts something, whatever he wants, you know, you ever, the whole world should go vegan. You know, we don't eat anything with a face, whatever. <laughs> right. And then he sends his other 99, you know, his other 99 accounts all pour in in support of himself. And, you know, it's it's all designed to just make sure that you are, in fact, a real person who actually contributes something meaningful and gets positive karma, enough positive karma that they can start ultimately releasing you into the wild. Wow. Okay. It's a vetting process. Okay. Interesting. It's uh, all right. I just posted a comment in the Zabecast subreddit uh, under r slash Zabecast. Oh, uh, which which conversation or which oh, thread under the Zabecast? Okay. Was it the eight seven Zabecast? This is the seven. This is the seven twelve Zabecast. Ooh, uh, what are your seven? That's can right. I? Hey, can I start a conversation? Or do I? Or or do I not have enough karma yet? It's only my. Oh well, maybe not. Yeah, maybe you can't. Now, have you seen? Did we talk about? Hold on, hold on. Do I go to create post? Uh, You would do submit a new link or submit a new text post. One of those two. Create post Uh, in the upper right hand corner. All right. What should the title of the post be here? Um, it could be something like uh, Zabe live with charge. Something I don't know. It depends what you want to talk about, but that would work. Okay. All right. Right now, it's very meta at this moment that you are creating a topic in your own Zabecast Reddit subreddit okay. about us talking right now. Got it. Okay. It just let me post it. So that's jump- awesome. Now, here's what we have to do. We have everybody that's listening now needs to go into there and they need to up arrow on you to build your oh. karma so that you can start posting with immunity about how the whole world should go vegan. <laughs> so that's what it is. The up arrow and the down arrow is the, the people up. voting on the assholes on on Reddit. Yes. Ah, now you can I got it. That's it. You're trying to get up arrows. Now, if your upper right hand corner, it'll have your account name and a number in parentheses next to it and that's how much karma you've accumulated wow that's incredible i uh i understand that the college football subreddit is lit as the kids would say very very funny a very funny fun interesting informative place to be um are you familiar with the subreddit roast me yeah you told me that you talk, all right i told Photos, you about it. I roast me. yeah right. exactly all right okay. good that's all right. my favorite. All right, let's get all on. Right. Let's get on with the important matters here while I've got Charge on the phone. First of all, and this feels very weird. How's our old girlfriend doing? Kirk Cousins. I'm asking about um, our old girlfriend as a Redskin fan. Um, Kirk and I had a moment on Friday. Uh, he came on my show. Uh, first time he and I have had a chance to really break bread like that. Consummate your was, football love because you were horny yes. for him in the offseason. You're like, go get him. Go get him. December, Zabe, when he was he was still playing games for Skins. I remember. I was banging the drum to get him here. Okay. Yes. All right. Yep. And that's uh, it, it. Worked out beautifully. You know, never, almost never, in the the history of my time on the air in Minneapolis, have I you know you and you pick up causes all the time. You do, I do, right? That's part of just you know being a radio host. There are things you care about, things you want to work out a certain way. Almost never does it work out just the way you want it, but it did with Kirk. And now I have to hope that he actually survives this season because we might have the worst offensive line in the history of the NFL. Oh, my God. What happened? We have three injured. Our line was bad to begin with. We have three injured linemen right now. Two of them are are just mystery diagnoses that they're not telling us anything about. All we know is the guys are going to specialists, and it's all bad. We don't know anything about the nature of the injuries, and who knows when two of the three are going to come back. And it's... Yeah, okay. I don't know. We sorry to hear that. How was Kirk yeah, with you? Kirk, I bet. Way, I bet he's, Kirk he's... was polite, diligent, thoughtful, and the perfect uh, guest because he tries to be perfect in everything. Yes, that's exactly what he was. He couldn't have been nicer. He was. He was effusive. He was. He was positive. He was friendly. He was outgoing. He took a picture with me, despite the fact that I was not wearing pants. 
It was. It couldn't have gone any better. <laughs> what were you wearing? A kilt? My pants. When Kirk came up, and they surprised me with it, right? So, you know, my my producer comes up, and the PR team is 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 got him in the, the Cushman, and they bring him up, and my pants spontaneously flew off my body. Shut up. You're joking That's about how, that. What happened? Got it. Well, no, my pants could spontaneously fly off my body, and it was. That, I thought you. I thought you literally didn't have pants on. I was like, oh, it's a figure of speech because you were so excited. And this was at That's right. this was at Vikings training camp, right? Correct. Yes, at we, Eden, we are, we at are, Eden Prairie, Minnesota. Did I get that right? Up until this year, up until this year, oh. correct. Eden Prairie, Minnesota. Now where are you guys? Where uh, we are now? They just built a brand new, like you know, billion dollar. Headquarters, training facility, um, practice fields, the whole bit. And and that's now in a city called Egan, which is conveniently near the airport. Got but it. Got it. Yeah. That's okay. the, yeah. So they got a spiffy new thing. And now I don't have to drive to the central Minnesota to go to training camp, which is great. It's all in town now, which is which yeah. we love. By the way, do you know that uh, Washington, D.C. and Minneapolis share a square on a certain new list that was created by the Washington Post's Capital Weather Gang. The Capital Weather Gang, the Washington Post, actually endeavored to list the cities that have the most, quote, nice days, unquote, per year in America. Nice day being listed as moderately warm, partial sunshine, light breeze, low humidity, no precipitation. Number one city is Long Beach, California, with 210 days of so-called nice weather. The problem is Long Beach, California, is a sprawling, urbanized, industrial shithole that is, frankly, quite dangerous in some parts of it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, L.A. is second with 182 nice days, then San Diego, then San Jose, then Oakland, then Phoenix, my future retirement home, with 100. Phoenix with 100. Now. Down near the bottom include cities like Lubbock, Texas, Oklahoma City, Amarillo, New York, Corpus Christi, and oddly enough, Honolulu is second what? only to Anchorage. I think it's because it's so windy, and I think it's because Honolulu gets hot. That's what I think. But whatever. Well, not, but it, but they don't. I don't. I, I bet it might. It might be rain too. But I didn't think that and, and, got yeah, right. That and, hot. and rain. And rain. That was part of their criteria in which you won't get poured on. And it does. You yes. get you get those Honolulu, you know, thunder shower. Not thunder showers, but you get the the late afternoon rain showers a lot. Okay, so if Long Beach is one at two ten, L A one eighty, Phoenix about a hundred. The bottom list is you know Brownsville, Texas thirty two, Honolulu <laughs> thirty one. How many nice days, according to this criteria by the Capital Weather Gang, do you think Minneapolis has? Because it's the exact same number according to them. As Washington D.C., what's the number, Church? Had had you not told me that it was that Minneapolis was tied with Washington, I would have said negative eight. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, this is your glory months. I bet you've had three months of beautiful weather. No, actually, actually, we really have. Okay. We've had a we've had an awesome summer here. Right. Uh, what's I'm gonna. I will guess uh, forty eight. Wow, so close. 46 is the number. You just overbid nice. by two That's... days. But uh, Washington, Minneapolis tied at 46. Omaha had 45. And uh, Chicago has oh. 47. So, yeah. Now, what I want them that? to do, here's what I want them to do, Charge. I want them to now go back and tell me what, what cities have the most miserable days. So, <laughs> oh yeah, right. Let me tell you, yes. today here, today here, today dear here in D.C. was a absolute D.C. classic August scorcher. I mean, blazing mm. hot, totally uncomfortable. You don't want to be outside for more than two minutes, if that. And then we got the winter days, which are miserable. So, I like to see the misery index as well. Oh. And I think you guys would be up yeah, there. Yeah, so we don't we don't <laughs> get we don't get your level of humidity, but of course, you know, I'm gonna a rack up days here in Minnesota from Halloween uh, to Easter. I'm gonna run like 100 straight miserable days, and then you're dead. Uh, you can't possibly compete <laughs> with Minneapolis dead. for misery. It's uh, you gotta love it. You gotta love the cold. There's uh, no question about that. Okay, let's talk fantasy for God's sakes. I've wasted enough time. How? Should I prepare for fantasy football charge? And is sitting in mock drafts actually productive? 
incredibly productive. It's the single best thing you can do to be ready for your draft is to go through a couple of, of simulation drafts and ideally real drafts. And by the way, we offer them at Fanball for 10 bucks. You can join a what we call is a best ball league. Are you Ten, familiar with this, Dave? I talked about it on the air today. Solly scoffed at it saying, that sounds stupid. I go, come on, it's a set it and forget it league. That's right. That's the beauty of it. Uh, we bought a company that was the industry leader in this uh, called uh, MFL10s. MFL10s. The original company was My Fantasy League. That was the MFL. Right, but we right. bought this. We bought this from them. And the premise: it's brilliant. You, you spend you spend ten bucks, and if you happen to win, great. You'll get a hundred bucks back or something. And then you you just all you do is draft, and then this this thing sets the lineup for you after every week's game. It sets the best lineup you could possibly do. No maintenance, no trades, no waiver wire, none of that stuff all season long. You just watch the results pour in every week. It's a it's a great deal, and it's, so it's it is literally bucks, the single best thing you can do. So it's ten bucks a pull, right? But yep. you can win money um, per draft. Yes. Okay. H- how is that legal? By the way, is it sort of like FanDuel? Yeah, it falls into it falls, it falls into the into category. The FanDuel okay. Category. Yeah. All right. So yep. I could let's say I had a budget of a hundred bucks to go through ten mock drafts, and I do ten uh, MFL tens or ten my fan. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yep, yep. So why so why is why are mock drafts important? Because you start figuring out where players are going to go so you have and and how how the draft is going to go. Like every year the draft is a little bit different. For example, this year nobody's taking quarterbacks early and you'll learn through these exercises that you don't need to spend a second or third round pick on a quarterback. Drew Brees is going to be there in round 8. You can wait on quarterback You'll figure out that if you want one of the three good tight ends, Rob Gronkowski or Travis Kelsey or Zach Ertz, for the love of God, you have to take them by no later than the middle of the third round, or those guys are gone. And then if you don't go to those guys, then you may as well wait, because now they're all a crapshoot. And so you learn all these nuances of your of of how the how your so draft helps, is very likely to go. It helps decipher what is the sort of the collective zeitgeist of the football loving fantasy public and sort of discerns which way people's general opinions are going now granted it only takes one asshole in your league to reach for a certain player you had targeted like a drew Brees as a eighth round pick take him in the third round you're like well fuck that's that there goes my strategy right there yes that that is true but if there are a handful of guys that you're you're like you know what this league this year is going to be a lot more fun for me if i've got you know, pick a guy, uh, Dalvin Cook or Joe Mixon or, mm-hmm. you know, whoever, Christian McCaffrey, who, you know, you've got these hunches on. You run a couple of these simulations and you start, you know, you start getting a really good feel. Well, Christian McCaffrey is going to go in the, he go, always goes in the fifth round. If I want him, I better take him in the fourth round. Okay. Which we, by the way, we call that technique the reach around. The reach, reach around. around. And when and, you reach around early to get the guy you want, that's the reach around, Zabe. <laughs> the reach around. How do you know who's considered a reach, though? Well, because Based now on you know. Average draft position. Average that kind draft of stuff, position. Yes. That's okay. Right. Yep. All right. Yeah, so, so, what if you're too cheap to, to play, you know, spend 10 bucks for a mock draft? Are there places to do free mock drafts? Yes. Yep. ESPN and Yahoo have them. Here's their problem uh, because nobody's got skin in the game. They don't take it seriously. They, you know, they'll go. You Are there know, some I, jerk I offs see, that do I want to see, yeah, right. I want to see what happens if I take a kicker in the first round, and you know that kind of stuff. Oh, you know, uh. it's, so you can you can experiment with that, and then people just bail halfway through the draft. They're like, oh, screw this, I'm out. And so now they're really, out of the draft. You really and, need you, know, you really need to yeah. do those uh, tens. What do you call them again? M F L. Tens. My fantasy league is and the it, original M F L. M F L. Tens. All right. So you go to fanball.com, right? Yeah, you can get to it from fanball.com, or you can just, if you just type in MFL 10 in your Google bar, it'll pop right up. All right. I'm in. And by I'm in, I mean, I'll probably never do it. But uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm in. Like, it's a great idea. I have, I have every intention of doing it. Intention is at a hundred out of a hundred. Execution is about about five out of a hundred. That is true. But knowing you, you, this part may appeal to you that you, uh, you don't have to do it all in one sitting. And all it'll, it, the way it works is uh, it will run these over two different time spans. One can be over many days, and it just emails you when you're up on the clock, ah. and then you go back. And you just so you only have to show up once around. You and don't is have there, to sit there and stare it, at a screen. Is there a speed one that takes place in like an hour? There is. Yep. Yep. There's Perfect. a speed version that runs in I think four hours. 
Man. So it'll, you know, it'll go through, you know, it'll go through quickly. So think, it's your choice. So that way it's, it's a lot easier. I think the smartest guy in the world is the guy that invented it. The second smartest guy is the guy who bought it. And that'd be you, Charge. <laughs> Good job. Good product. Uh, what is Thank the hardest, you. what's the hardest thing to figure out this year in fantasy? The hardest single thing that you fantasy guys are going, I just, I'm not sure. Um, how about this? Whether or not you can trust Deshaun Watson to be the Ooh. unbelievably historically explosive explosive player that he was for that brief period of time a, that he was last season. A true a true double threat, a la Vic in his heyday, a la Cordell Stewart in his prime, a la Randall Cunningham, if you want to go back even further. A touchdown runner and a touchdown thrower, right? Yes, and and even really on a magnitude of that none of those guys were on on any kind of regular basis. You know, all of those guys would periodically do that, um, but he did it in virtually every game he played, and that was the that was the remarkable part. You know, as as a quick reminder for anybody who may have forgotten the last four games that Deshaun Watson had, his uh, he had a his the last full game he played against Seattle that at the time still had a good defense in Seattle. 400 yards passing, four passing touchdowns, 87 rushing yards. The week before that, three touchdowns. The week before that, five touchdowns. The week before that, five touchdowns. Four uh, four passing and one rushing. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. He lit that shit up in Seattle. Let alone a rookie do that. Exactly. Uh, By the way, is this... Is this, is this the year that Seattle becomes a bitch defensively and everyone just runs it up against them? Is the Legion of Boom really, really dead? It's over. It is over. In fact, I believe they will finish last in their division. <laughs> Hot take from Charge. You thought you were getting fantasy yeah, advice on today's Zabecast. You're getting hot takes, everybody. Why not? I mean, no, you're right. Russell you're right. Wilson is right. Russell Wilson's great, right? But the defense absolutely decimated. They had this is a team that cannot functionally run the ball. They've got um, you know receivers are okay, but Doug Baldwin's even hurt right now. They're not built to come back from big deficits. There's, I just just feels like all of the change they purged all these bad character guys, right? Problem locker room guys, but he purged all kinds of talent with it, and they just they just don't have the players. And then the question is, Abe. Does Pete Carroll do what he always does when oh. things go bad? Oh, yeah. Oh, I know Pete Carroll's you, move. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. So, I, you know, I think there, I really think there's a coin flips chance this is Pete Carroll's last year because this is, I think it's yeah. going to go badly, and we know that if there's one thing Pete doesn't like, it's to try to, you know, it's he, that guy is the first guy off the ship. He is the SS Concordia captain. He is the guy, when that ship's going down, he's the guy who's getting into that life raft first. Do you know I know the name of that guy? Do you know who that is? No. Carlos Chitino. For some reason, <laughs> that name is stuck in my head as the Greek captain who decided, oh, shit, I just crashed a cruise ship on rocks because I was I, – you, you know why he did that, right? He was showing off to it's showing off to his mistress or something on from the bridge. He was basically uh, he was like honking the the ship's horn at a like an ancestral home or or his mom's house or something that was along the shoreline. Hold I on. could have swore there was a woman involved in this decision that he was showing off. Uh, I'm sorry, Francesco, not Carlos, Francesco, Francesco Chitino. Uh, shithead, shithead. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> Captain Coward, they called him. You know, they th- that guy, a- that guy Shatino should be in the same level of hell as the security guard at Parkland High School who didn't go into the building with his gun and just stayed outside. Pussies like that deserve yeah, no to burn kidding. in hell forever. Okay, we're back to fantasy here. Uh, do the opposite. You've been preaching this for a while now. For those who are new yep. to it, explain it. 
Um, it's since been uh, it's been since been usurped by a guy who made it a lot more famous than than I ever did. He calls it zero running back, but I've been talking about it for Who's 12, that? 13 years now. Who's Mister Zero running name. back? I don't I don't know his name, and I don't hold grudges, and it's just you know it's one of those things. But there is no money to be made here. off of it, but so whatever. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> that's why I don't care. Yeah, the premise is running backs always get hurt, and also um, these other, these unknown running backs always elevate. And so you shouldn't risk your most valuable commodities, your early draft picks, on guys that are the most likely to get hurt. So instead of taking Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott, Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, you know, Melvin Gordon, those types of guys, instead you go with guys that generally stay healthy and have productive seasons. Julio Jones and A.J. Green and Odell Beckham, who did get hurt last year, DeAndre Hopkins, Antonio Brown. Who has ever regretted taking Antonio Brown? Nobody, ever. That's the that is the safer way to go. And then put your risk into your middle round. So you, you pound receivers early, you pound, you get a, one of the three great tight ends, Gronk, Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz. And then in the middle rounds, you just take a slew of middle round running backs. You'd like an Alex Collins, a Jarek McKinnon, uh Kenyon Drake, Marshall, uh Marshawn Lynch, Darius Geis from there. And a couple of those guys are going to pop and you're going to end up with a, you're going to end up with one or two of those guys as top 10 running backs anyway, because it always goes that way. A slew of running backs to find a slew two, five, five. Se- okay. Four. You know, you know, I'll okay. go four rounds without a running back. Then I'll go four straight rounds taking a running back. Interesting. So you throw volume at it, but you could still miss on all of those guys. We're, we're living in a, in a, in it's a, hard to, if, honestly, yeah, you might. Okay. You but you'll might. get somebody. Well, I probably and and this theory, though, it's not, you know, the football used to be different because back in the day, Adrian Peterson, uh, LaDainian Tomlinson, Priest Holmes, these guys were single handedly winning you your leagues. Yeah. Yeah. Single handedly. Workhorse backs. There aren't that many workhorse backs. And that's, you know, and that is part of why people gravitate to the Todd Gurley's and Ezekiel Elliott's and Le'Veon Bell's. Those are your workhorse backs. But you know what? Marshawn Lynch is going to be a workhorse back from a, a, a coach who only knows how to run the ball. And you can get him in round eight. So, I mean, you still can find workhorse backs. And sometimes Nick Chubb might turn out to be a workhorse back. Darius Geis might turn out to be a workhorse back. You know, they, they, well, he's not. Chris Thompson's there. But, you know, still... Yeah. Those are guys that can still get you – still you can get a lot, a lot of reps out of those guys in the middle rounds. Quick, uh, LaDainian Tomlinson's best year, 2006. How many touchdowns? How many yards? Started all 16. It was freakish. Uh, 20, 20 – now, these are, these are uh, total touchdowns. Oh, I'm sorry. And... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hold on. This is rushing touchdowns only. Okay. 20 rushing touchdowns that year. Uh, and rushing was my 20, close? 28 rushing touchdowns. What? Oh, jeez. I forgot with, it was that. With three more receiving touchdowns. Yeah. And how many yards yeah. did he have in 2006? Rushing, he had, I will say... 1,800 rushing yards, and he chipped in another 700 receiving yards. Almost. Uh, 1,815 on the rushing total and another 508 yards good. receiving. But holy shit, he averaged 113 yards a game with 28 <laughs> touchdowns. In but, a North Turner offense. Well, you know, I'm North Turner. You know, I like to... You don't like Norv, huh? Norv has been <laughs> around. Be able to well, compete through an entire you know, game. Like Norv is no matter what just on a personal level, Norv was a great guy. He was he was great. He always was great with me. He is I like great. him personally. He's I like him. Great. I just don't think I don't think he's a great coach. No, he's not a great coach. In fact, Andy Poland said to his face many years ago, uh, just full disclosure, coach, I've called for you to be fired now the last year and a half. He said that wow. to Nora's face because Andy is such that he doesn't believe in being a hypocrite. And he felt like if I don't tell him this to his face, then I'm a bitch. I'm like, you don't have to bring I that had up. To- I had to have one of those moments. Did you really? Here's what happened. Yep, here's what happened to me. With It's about Mike Tice? roughly week. Uh, Leslie Frazier, <laughs> by the way, incredibly nice guy. Seems like, like a nice guy. Insanely nice guy. Right. 
it's uh, it's about week 12 of a season in which the Vikings at that time were probably a game under 500. And I'm doing the post-game show on TV. And I've had it. And so I just, I turn to the camera and I go, look, it takes, you have to, it takes three, it takes three things to have consistent greatness in the NFL, a great GM, a great coach, and a great quarterback. Our GM might be okay. It's Rick Spielman. We got the wrong coach in Leslie Frazier. We got the wrong quarterback in Christian Ponder. It's over. Let's, we may as well cut the cord now because it's clear they're not the right guys. Okay. Then, then the Vikings won their last six games and made the playoffs. And now I'm face-to-face with Leslie Frazier at the Combine in February, and I got to do the Mia Culpa. Wow. I'm like, uh, Coach, um, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm hilarious. the guy that, uh, that called for you to be fired, you know, one week before you went on a six-game. I was wrong. Sorry. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, Priest Holmes had 27 touchdowns rushing in 2003. Uh, Adrian Peterson. Uh, You would probably know Peterson's numbers pretty well, right? Uh, Most touchdowns touchdowns he had was 18. That's still a a pretty good shitload. But he averaged, oh, here's the year, 2012, brother. That was the 2097-yard season with 12 touchdowns rushing how about that and that and let's remember you know and it's i'm sure most people do he tore his acl in week 16 of the previous season and came back on you know what whatever that is eight months uh and returned started week one for the vikings and then absolutely roared through the rest of that season the rushing numbers for him from week seven forward, just the rushing numbers, 153 yards, 123 yards, 182 yards, 171 yards, 108 yards, 210 yards, 154 yards, 212 yards, 86 yards. And then as he's in week six, uh, week 17, as he's trying to set the all-time rushing record, he puts up 199 yards on Green Bay and falls, I believe, nine yards yeah. short of the all-time rushing record. Amazing. I had to check myself. I'm like, is he in the league still? He was cut by the Cardinals back in March of this year. So yeah, he's, I guess uh, he's out he's a, there. He's a free agent. Yeah, he's a free agent. And you know what? There's, there is still a scenario where he plays this year. You know, wow. some team has that training camp ACL sure. and – you know, you could you can bring him in. Hey, last by season, the, by he was, the way, by the way, functional. What douchebag in fantasy is going to draft Des Bryant, saying, "Oh, he's going to get picked up"? I'm telling you, he's going to have a good year. Somebody's going to grab him. Yeah, it's the Browns. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, after that wonderful motivational speech by Jarvis Landry in the first episode of Hard Knocks, I mean, who wouldn't want to join him there? Throw another arrogant I'm... asshole in the mix. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh man, I ha- I'm only halfway through that episode. But this is not, is this it. not the most interesting hard knocks maybe ever? Maybe because there's so there's so many great storylines going on in this th- with the Browns right now. There are great storylines. I start to worry about how many of them are massaged, made up, set up, or otherwise creatively edited. It is reality TV charge where shit gets put forth for the camera. Like, ooh, look at this, you know. It's fun. Well, it's, do you, it's do you light. really think? Do you think? Do you think HBO is feeding Hugh Jackson lines and no, topics and no, stuff? No, you don't have to feed him no. lines. I'm not saying it's scripted. I'm just saying, don't you think Jarvis Landry knew the cameras were on him when he was, you know, calling out his fellow teammates? Like, you assholes, practice, practice hard. Yeah. And yeah. I bet his teammates were uh, like, I, yeah. "Hey, fuck you! I don't, you know, I'm trying to make the team. You just signed one of the biggest <laughs> wide receiver contracts, you know, in ten years. So, how about you fuck off?" <laughs> And leave me alone. Well, and there's that. And and by the way, they all know the cameras are there. This you know, this camera guy with a camera on his shoulder. I mean, they all know that. They all know that Landry's peacocking for the cameras when he does this. Right. So yeah, that's you know, that's. I think that part would rub some guys wrong. All right, real quick, who are who are going to be some of our prime zinger targets? You and I for this year, doing our segments where we do the 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 big wind up, and you compare a fantasy player saying. So-and-so is going to be more lost than blank doing blank in a blank 
something like that. We always, <laughs> you taught me this, and I'm just your protege here. You always try to pick on someone, a public figure that everyone knows who's been through some difficult times, but not so difficult like they have cancer and they're going to die. Just they went bankrupt or something. Like Johnny Depp. <laughs> Johnny Depp. You're more likely to get 100 yards out of Samaj P. Ryan than you'll get reimbursed by Johnny Depp for the 10 sharks uh, that he borrowed for a pool party. Something like that. <laughs> who, who do you, Johnny Depp would be in the news. Who else would be? I mean, there's a lot of political you know, news items. Trump is going to be an easy target this year. Yeah, who that's else too easy, think? though. Is Don't it too easy? too easy? Okay, what's the, what's the art of the church fantasy zinger? I want to hear it. Well, it's not always people. I, you know, I think you can. You know, people are easy targets, but a lot of times I like to just vent my personal frustration Got it. on on very on various people. Like, you know, for example, uh, say I'm talking about Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford is he's having a great camp. He was fantastic for the Vikings for one game last year, and Sam Bradford is available less often than a McDonald's ice cream machine. Oh yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one right there. Yeah. I think that's can... off the top of my head. You got to work with me a little bit on this, but yes, that's uh, that. That's see. So you know, but I'm assuming that people have had all the same McDonald's ice cream machine uh, woes that I have had. But maybe that's not going to be a shared a shared issue yeah. for everybody. I I, I think um, could... you know. Here's the thing. Yeah. We, you and I have been doing this so long. We started with Paris Hilton. Shit. Then I think I think we may have gone Paris Hilton into like a Kardashian. We've hit Miley Cyrus several times in the past few years, and now we I think we for this year for twenty for twenty eighteen we got to find a new target. I mean that's the go to huh? be that's going to be yeah we need a new uh, yeah. go- really and to be honest we need a go to whore. Is Amy Schumer still it, relevant enough? To be the go-to punching bag, I think it can be the problem. The Amy, Lena Amy, Dunham, Lena, 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 Lena Dunham oh, got, yeah. took a lot of our incoming heat, and I don't know if she's even relevant yeah. anymore. Rosie Not O'Donnell, really. same thing. How about this? Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, let me let me pick a bad fantasy player here. Uh, pick, give me a give me one frustrating fantasy player. Who just has uh, trouble yeah. hitting his numbers that everyone thinks he should hit? Derrick Henry, first round draft pick, and he's never okay. never gotten the starting job for Tennessee. All right, Derrick Henry will get to a hundred yards faster than Wesley Snipes asking for the bathroom key and a cup of water in a Starbucks. <laughs> oh, zing! <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> all right. Well, we got time to work on all that. Uh, before I let you go, you wanted to talk about an experience that you've never had before, and I'm am- amazed that you haven't. You went to Gen Con for the first time. What is Gen Con? Yeah, you don't have any reason to know. Gen Con started out as a as a uh, like a a military simulation, tabletop simulation convention 50 years ago in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. That's the gen in, in Gen Con, where you know, the guys would like, they'd put out all of their like uh, uh, World War II or Civil War figurines out on a table and, you know, they'd you know, simulate that stuff. Over time, it expanded from that into Dungeons and Dragons. And it expanded from that into tabletop board games, you know, like what we grew up with, Risk and Sorry, but that's now turned into a massive, sprawling, humongous enterprise. This board gaming convention now, Zabe, is the single biggest thing that will happen for in terms of uh, in terms of people in one place, uh, tourists, events in the entire state of Indiana all year. Wow! And where is it again? Indianapolis. It was in Wisconsin. It was, at Lake, in it was at Lake Geneva, and that's why it was called Gen Lake Con? Lake Geneva. Yep, that no is it. No kidding. All right, so let's now, see. I know the board games like Risk and Stratego. Was that another military simulation game? What are the other ones that eh, – uh, really. No, not Stratego. We grew up with – Risk. We grew up with Monopoly, Clue, All right, no, no, but, but Risk. Risk is a military board game, correct? Yes, broadly, what, yes. What, what else is considered that? What was the one that, that, that Kramer said? The Ukraine. The Ukraine's a road apple. 
I, you know, and, and, <laughs> I think no. that he was referring to risk actually. Okay. So that's that risk. One. Okay. What there, other, what other yes. mainstream type games are there? Um, the beauty of this is now almost anything you love, there's cool board games like adaptations for. If you're a Star Wars fan, really there's like dozens the Simpsons of board game. I, frankly, yes. Okay. And not just like not just like reskinning Monopoly either, right? Which right. doesn't even count. It's still the same game. You're just changing the names yeah, of the, the, the where, spots yeah. you land on, right? right. Yeah, Springfield. But let me tell you. Here, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Two. Go ahead. Two amazing things for people that don't follow board games. And and I don't blame you if you don't, because frankly, most of us grew up with crappy board games. But now the industry has become so huge and so there's so much talent behind it. The board games are fascinating and they're funny and they're awesome. Here's the two big things that have changed in board games in the last five or six years. One, the introduction of cooperative board gaming, where it's you and your friends or your family against the game instead of against each other. Interesting. It, it used to be that the smartest or the most strategic person at the table would always win. And now and when you're all working a as a group. So now you can, you can right. collaborate and say we're playing the game. Okay, cool. Here's the That's question right. I want to ask is that is I remember all the time as a teenager and, and, and maybe 20 years ago going into the mall and seeing the nerd store in which they yeah. have these elaborately painted miniature figurines Sometimes military, other times fantasy, like wizards and dragons and shit. And they were all laid out on a board or a, a, a flat gaming surface. What are those yes. games? What is that genre no, called? Mi- that's miniature gaming. Miniature and that's still gaming. that's still doing that's still doing well, but nothing like what board gaming is right so, now. So so that and gaming still, that gaming is not left. board gaming. That is not, not that is not Gen Con miniature game. It is gaming. it is at well no that stuff is okay. at Gen Con too. That oh. is also at Gen Con. Okay. Um, but it's just not as popular. It's just not as big. Yeah, it's not as big. But for take this as an example of where that's morphed into. You want to have a massive epic Star Wars battle with X-wing fighters versus tie fighters with that big triangle shaped thing and from Star Wars yeah, that's called it's, that thing that it's called that's called an imperial destroyer you loser i can't believe Thank you don't you. know that Why? Thank you and that then this they've got that you can play that now and for a lot of people that's that's really fun here's the other great thing that's happened in board gaming and i'll keep this short take risk game that most of us grew up with and tried at least one time some brilliant guy came up with risk legacy and here's the idea you play your game of risk, and then at the end of the game, it says, oh, by the way, go open secret compartment number two and pull out everything from that, and here's a bunch of new cards, and here's a bunch of new figurines, and here's one new rule to play with. And then, oh, by the way, I want you to tear up that other card over here. I want you to tear up the Ukraine, and I want you to permanently you know, permanently change that, and I want you to write on the board. I want you to draw a line from any country to any country, and now they can attack each other. And so you permanently and forever change the game. And it, you will be able to do that over a course of 15 or 20 different plays. And the game ends up morphing and changing every time you play it. Charge, that is absolutely, totally nerdy. But brilliant and beautiful, and I love it. And I'm glad you went to your first ever Gen Con. Remember, people, well, for I the best very much. fantasy football advice, games, you name it, go to fanball.com. Also, sign up for their... Uh, MFL 10s, so you can get in some... Thank you, uh, nice job. Yeah, there you go. MFL 10s, uh, 10 bucks, set it and forget it. Uh, get some mock draftage in before your real league drafts later on this month. And, uh, of course, follow Charch on Twitter, at Paul Charchian. And if you're in the Twin Cities, say hello to him before the weather turns nasty. Right? And and get the Manny's, uh, get the Manny's cut at Manny's. Oh, God. Yeah. Don't even get me started on that. Charch, you are the man. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, my we friend. will uh, check in down the road. Bye-bye. We'll end with this today. Sometimes I see things on the internet and I go, oh my God, that is hilarious. And a lot of times I'll quickly retweet them going, oh my God, you see this, everybody? And then I find out, yeah, yeah, we've, we've seen it. Uh, we saw it many years ago. And then I feel like a big fat loser because I just never saw it. And I'll file this one under it's new to me. So if you've heard of it and you know about it, then that's great. I didn't. And I thought it was damn funny. This is head coach David Bennett in 2011 
David Bennett, head coach at Coastal Carolina. Football football coach. Coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers, explaining during a press conference what he told his team about needing more dogs on the team and less cats. Take it away, Coach Bennett. Trying to get our two boys ready to carry them to the golf tournament for practice, right? Twelve cats live across the road. Our door's open. Screen's broke. We need to get a new screen door. But the screen's broke, so you can come in through the screen, but you can't get back out of it. I turn and look. There's a little kitty cat in our in our kitchen. So I said, what are you doing in here, little kitty cat? <laughs> By that time, eh, the cat turns, tries to get back out. That screen won't go that way. Cat starts going, all crazy. And I told our players, we need more dogs. Bo's barking in the back. I have to go shut Bo up. Mel's like, what's going on? I said, it's a cat in the house. Cat in the house? I said, yeah, there's a cat in the house. So I told our players, I tried to let it out the front door. The cat's still going crazy in there. And I told our players, you need to be more like a dog. We don't need a bunch of cats in here. Looking in the mirror. Do I look good? I got my extra bands on. I got my other shoes on. Be a dog. Be a dog. We don't need no meows. We don't need no cats. We need more dogs. <laughs> that is classic. First of all, I think that is an actual dialect. It's that South Carolina cadence, that Southern cadence that he has with just the the in, intonation, the inflection, uh, everything. It's so utterly cliched. It's I mean, it's great. Don't get me wrong. I love it. I love it. But it's, wow, it's hilarious. So, I died watching that today. I was like, why didn't somebody... This is one of those, why didn't somebody tell me this existed on the internet type clips. Sort of like, ain't nobody got time for that or any other viral clip that you're like, you've never seen that before? So yeah, I had to go look up uh, good old Coach Bennett, see how good he was as a coach. He is currently coaching high school football, uh, River Bluff. And last year, River Bluff, uh, or no, two years ago, River Bluff... Apparently had all cats, all cats on the roster, no dogs, because River Bluff High School 2016 went one and nine under Coach Bennett. But at Coastal Carolina, he actually had some pretty good seasons. Second year, ten and one, nine and two, nine and three. Those were three years in a row from 0506. But it was that 2011 year which he gave that speech about cats and dogs in which they went 7-4, and four, tied for third in the Big South, and that was that for Coach Bennett at Coastal Carolina. Still finished with a total record there of 63-39. and 39. Not terrible. 27-16 and 16 in conference. Not terrible. But that was pretty much it for him. He was at Catawba. Uh, the Catawba Indians of the South Atlantic Conference Division Two. Prior to Coastal Carolina, but man, that is a uh, that's a classic right there, and it was on the internet this whole time. And you people, none of you said, "Hey, by the way, you might want to watch this." That'll be a wrap for today. You know the drill: tell two friends, hit up that Reddit thread that me and Charge talked about about how great this thing is. Leave a positive review and rating. Download, subscribe at all the major podcast outlets, iTunes, Google Play, and more. And always remember, it's all fun and games until somebody loses an eye. Thanks for listening and we will see you next time.